Hi, I'm Brandon Webb, former Navy SEAL and New York Times bestselling author. If you're like me, you want real security and defense news you can trust. You're probably tired of hearing the same talking heads, guys who have never seen the front lines, saying the same BS a hundred different ways. It's why I founded SoftRep.com, military-grade news produced entirely by our staff of military veteran journalists. Sign up at SoftRep for real news, real experience, real experts. SoftRep does what the mainstream media can't, deliver authentic content straight from the front lines. Sign up for a free trial membership today, and I'll give you my best-selling ebook, The Red Circle, for free. But that's not all. Your SoftRep membership also includes access to cutting-edge defense and security news by military experts, access to our award-winning documentaries, ebooks, special member events, and much more. So what are you waiting for? Let us know you're in. Sign up for your free trial membership today. Join our community at SoftRep.com. That's S-O-F-R-E-P dot com. Brute Force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio. Special Operations Military News and straight talk with the guys in the community. Soft Rep Radio, this is Big Phil Campion, on target, on time, across the pond, and I am across the pond this week, I'm back home in Blighty doing my bits and pieces, and I wish I hadn't bothered, because compared with the Caribbean, this place is absolutely off the scale, falling apart, weather-wise, and we like talking about the weather as Brits, this place has gone down the pan, we've got weather warnings coming out the yin-yang, if you don't know what a weather warning is, have a look on the box, or have a look on social media, which is what I've been encouraging people to do, look at social media, see what's going on around them, and pack their cars appropriately for the weather that they're going to experience. Because we are having some terrible times here with the weather. Flooding, we've got storm warnings, we've got wind, we've got high wind, we've got don't get on the plane, stay away from your boat, and if you're in your car, make sure it's packed properly. So that's where we're at. I'm not going to go too into detail. Right, uh, what else is going on? Well, don't forget Crate Club. Have a look around there, and there's a few other bits and pieces. I've got a very special interview for you today. I am down in Portsmouth, and we're going to tell you all about the place where I am in a minute, but I'm going to introduce to you the CEO and founder of Forgotten Veterans UK, Gary Weaving, okay? And by the time we finish this interview, you will realise that he does an Extremely important job. How are you, Gary? All right, buddy? Hi, Phil. Thank you for uh, uh, coming down and interviewing today. I've been uh, really looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to telling you about what we do. Cool. So just tell us a little bit about the fort, first of all, this this place here that we're in, because this is a remarkable place, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're based at a 1700s Napoleonic fort right on the coast of Portsmouth. It used to be a Royal Marine base, and has got such history and depth and it just has a really amazing military feel about it. 
I'm going to post some pictures on my social media, but when you see this place, the walls are about 17 foot thick. It's design, It's an old design, apparently. You know, there was two or three of them done this way, and it really is a massively impressive place. But more impressive still is Forgotten Veterans UK, which is a charity supporting our troops. Just, just introduce, how did that come around, Forgotten Veterans UK? Sadly, Phil, the, the reality of the situation was that since I've come out of the army, I was a Royal Engineer, I'm an Afghanistan veteran, I really struggled and when I came out into civilian street, I really segregated myself and isolated myself because I couldn't handle my mental health, to be honest. Every time I tried to go and get help, I got turned away from the civilians and they couldn't under- I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. So the, the reality of what, what we've done here is simple. When I needed respite care, when I was at my absolute lowest, when I needed to have a break and to give my family a break, there was nowhere. There was nowhere designed to take me with the problems that I had at short notice. So, all, incidentally, all I've actually done is create what I needed to have. What you needed. So, from experience, basically, you had, you had mental health problems, which is a huge problem at the moment. You know, we're talking suicides... You know, at a time when celebrities are committing suicide, you know, there's guys doing this on a regular basis, isn't there? Yes. Well, I originally started on Facebook just by a pure fluke. Um, One tweet has changed my life forever. And uh, sadly, I tweeted, I've never felt so alone since I left the army. And I went from 30 Twitter followers to 8,000 in nearly six weeks. Okay. Because I laid my heart out to the world and I told them what had gone wrong with me how I felt and what I could see was going wrong with others. Okay, and I think that's, there's a very important point to be had there. That number one, number one lesson in all of this for me, and I see it repeatedly now, is you need to say, you have to say, you have to stick your hand up and acknowledge that there's something going wrong. Yeah, of course. When I needed a buddy, when I needed someone to talk to, someone to give me direction, someone to support me, someone to give me information about where I needed to go, there was nowhere. So I started a buddy scheme on Facebook and it just took off. And we've ended up with nearly 600 clients in our books. When I needed a hardship payment, you know, £16.50 to get to a mental health appointment, I couldn't get it. So we started up a hardship scheme. So the services Forgotten Veterans have um, created were actually is what I needed in my life. And you know yourself, lived-in experience is paramount. And that's the problem. We're getting um, sort of cared for and treated by some civilians, not but some that really don't understand the military way and don't understand the brothership that the veterans have. Just explain to me, how did you fall upon this place and what is the point of this place? What do you actually do here? What, what, what is it you're doing here that people aren't doing elsewhere? We've been very successful, actually, over the last year. We've only been open a year. And we've actually had over 700 veterans come to us from all over the country, silly times in the morning, for emergency crisis care. So if a hospital in Birmingham, and that's quite a few hundred miles away for the uh, American audience, brings us at 2 o'clock in the morning and says, 
We cannot help this veteran any further, but we really feel he should be supported and looked after for a few days. So if we get that call, my army of volunteers or people that live locally that are volunteers will go and get them, bring them to Fort Cumberland. And what we offer them is four days, three nights of crisis support with a small care support team. But just bringing them here, Phil, isn't the answer. Yes, it will unwind them. Yes, it will relax them. Yes, it will give them a better understanding and send them home brighter. But if they're only returning to the problems at home that that are already there, then we're setting them up to fail. So the moment they get here, day one they get here, my my management team in the office are now contacting other charities, local agencies, police, adult social care, you know, every client's different, every veteran's different. What, are the pro- what sort of problems are you getting here? Is it financial? Is it mental health? Is it all of the above plus a few more? What's the, what's the main thing that seems to come through the door? Well, a lot of them come with post-traumatic stress symptoms. But the reality is at the moment in, in England, it, it does seem to be used as an umbrella term. And when you unwind them a little bit and start to understand the story a little bit of what's actually gone on, you soon realise that it's a culmination of mental health problems and often... Okay, so it's a straw on the camel's back sort of thing, so you have a little bit of a time... Because I've always said you're only two poor decisions away from having an absolute epic nightmare. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You have too much to drink one night, you go home, you smash a window... The police were involved, boom, you've had three nights, boom, you're off. Your job goes, you're down the pan, now you've got no money, you can't pay your bills. Now you're getting into a situation where you're thinking your life through and thinking, oh, my God, where did it possibly go wrong? And moreover, you're probably thinking, how can I make it get better? Yeah, that's right. So unless we start helping the individual problems, whether it's debt, whether it's addiction, whether it's breakdown of family relations, homelessness, hardship, unless we start addressing those each individual problems, the mental health is never going to improve. We take the approach here, prevention is sometimes better than cure. Absolutely, absolutely. All day long. We do have therapists here, very qualified ones that are prepared to sit with them and talk to them. Uh, We do a care plan. We really look into what, what the issues are. But a lot of them just need to get their lives back in order and get their ducks back in a row. That's, I mean, it's, it's commendable what you do. How, how are you funding this year? What, what, what funding have you got? Have you got anything? Well, the reality is we're called Forgotten Veterans UK and I'm also known as a campaigner for veterans' rights. I've stood up from the beginning and been very honest and very vocal about my problems and the problems of our community. Yeah. When we tried to get funding to do the renovations, sadly, we were turned down on every grant we applied for. So I funded it myself. I mean, I came here, just to put this into perspective, I came here before this had been done and it was an empty shell of the inside of a wall. There was nothing here. You could not have lived in here. It was dank. There was rats on the floor. There was, it was an absolute mess. And now I'm sat around, there's a pool table, there's a nice wooden floor, it's been painted, there's some leather sofas. You know, the place is looking like, like home, do you know what I mean? You are offering what you say on the tin. It's, you know, you can come here and you can fully chill out. There's no luxuries here, Phil, because I will not waste money on no. unnecessary items. No, absolutely. As long as things are clean, tidy and sanitary, yeah. that's, that's good enough for us. We see such a change in people, Phil, and it's actually a structure. They come usually for a C1, which is an immediate crisis camp. 
Then quite often they come back for a C2, which is, I'd like to come back again, but maybe in a couple of weeks. But then we build them up to the stage they come to a C3, which is a monthly group camp. Okay. And then we're really seeing them engaging again. And we put them into a private network on Facebook that only people from Fort Cumberland can access. Okay, cool. So there's your socialisation. We instantly enrol them into the buddy scheme, so there's your 24-7 contact support. Yeah. The, the reality of it is, for so many years, we've been told what's wrong with us and what we're going to get. But a lot of them haven't actually stopped and spoken to the veterans. If you ask them what they want, they will tell you. This is their home. They help build it, they help run it, and they feel like it belongs to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's good to have some regulars back that are still going up the seven-step programme because what they do is they sweep up the newbies and they support them that Yeah, because you can, well, then you can see light at the end of the tunnel, can't you? You can see, you know, well, I was there, but actually so was that geezer, and now he's up here. Hmm or that girl, or whatever, it, whoever it happens to be. Just explain a little bit about the accommodation here. What, what, what's the deal when they come here? Where, where do they stay? Currently, we've got, it, it is a campsite, so if they want to camp outside, they can. They can also stay indoors if they wish to. It's usually the Navy and the RAF that are doing that. <laughs> so you still get banter in these places. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> you ain't going to escape that. Oh, yes. Uh, the Army lads are outside earning their pay, as usual. We're about to get some um, fully insulated yurts that have been donated oh, wow. okay. with uh, solar panels and log burners. So that will give outside winter accommodation. And if we get this next funding bid uh, from the NHS, then we're looking to open to nighttime billets and a veterans workshop as well. Okay. And we encourage the local ones that want to be involved and are fed up. They're, they're too ill to work, but we encourage the local ones to come down here on a daily basis. What we run is a seven-step program film, and I'm not going to bore you with it. No, no, seriously, it, I'm, I'm interested. And I want to promote down. this. I want to get this out. I want but people to understand this. Ultimately, the first <laughs> step is the hardest step. The first step is holding your hand out and saying, please, can I have help? Okay, so that's the sort of like eureka moment. That's the that's yeah. the boom. That's the when we can go. We can work with that now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We give them a second chance. I'm not interested in what they've done before. They don't have excuses, but often there is reasons. So we give them a clean slate, and we don't judge them. That is also very important. You know, having visited a number of people in prison myself and that sort of stuff, they're worried that when they get on the out. Well, I'm judged now. I'm scarred. I'm dirty. I'm, 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 I'm filthy. Now I can't, there's nothing's going to touch me anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, when I spoke to people like Jim Davidson, those sorts of people, hmm. at some stage, were trainable, held down a decent job, and were doing the right thing. Of course. There has to be a reason, doesn't there? Do you know what I mean? And I think that's important. Well, the, the reason they follow me and the reason that they listen to us is because I've come from that side of the track. I've had my own suicidal problems. I've got my own health problems. I've got my own mental health problems. And lived-in experience is paramount. And then ultimately, as they go up the programme, they're given more and more responsibility to support and guide others. And then ultimately, at the end, we then say, right, we're going to stick you on mental health courses, we're going to stick you on suicide prevention courses, we're going to invest into them like they've invested into our projects. And then they're ready to go back to step one and truly support someone else.
I just want to talk about one thing, and this is very important. Hope. Hope is a very powerful word, Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you don't have hope, life becomes hopeless. When life is hopeless, it becomes dangerous. And that is when you lose the will to live. To have hope, you must have goals. If you set too big a goals, Phil, they will fail and slip back down to hopelessness. So what we do with them, we work on their positives, excel them, find out what they're doing. That, that is massively important. And I've seen it in a lot of veteran communities. The negativity that's being generated is almost overwhelming mm-hmm. the positivities. Yeah. And you're right. With nothing positive, there is no hope, is there? There is no hope. It's obviously they've got negatives in their lives. But what we get them to understand is there's negatives you can change and there's negatives that you can't. Okay. So you need to differentiate between the two. You can't change the past. All you can do is try and learn from it and move forward. And I ask them, if they eat too much, eat a bit less. If they drink too much, drink a bit less. If they don't get up in the morning, set an alarm. Take slow and gradual steps towards your negatives in a positive manner. Then the people around you, the people that some that have given up on you because of your behaviours will finally see this isn't a fad, this isn't a phase, this is them. No, because actions are always going to speak louder than words, aren't they? Exactly. On your road to recovery, and especially if people do give up on you. People mm. do, I've, I've been given up on myself before, more than once, you know what I mean? Mm. You earn that right, you have to earn that right back, but you have to have a reason to earn that right back, don't you? Look, at the end of the day, Phil, if people hadn't given me first chance, second chance, third chance, fourth chance, (coughs) I wouldn't be here today. And what I'm trying to instil into these veterans, young and old, male and female, doesn't matter what what service, what core, what conflict is, if I can come back from that broken, broken man that wanted to leave this world and turn my life into a positive to help others and become an asset to society then they can too. Absolutely. And I, I, I totally concur with, with all of that. You know, having been, you know, close to the wind myself more than once, I've asked myself that question. Do I want to be here? <laughs> I've seriously asked myself that question. And it's a hard question to ask yourself. <laughs> it's not nice. It's not something it's not something you want to ever envisage anybody you know or care about going through. Yeah. It's not something I want to envisage anybody going through, to be honest. Most just want to feel that they mean something. I was lost because I had no future. I was disabled from the army. I had severe mental health problems. I wasn't getting supported properly. The large charities were giving sloping shoulders because you're too much trouble. And I just didn't see a future for myself. And I'm lucky. I've got a wife, two children, and a house and a car. And my mental health was so dark that I convinced myself all I was doing was holding them back in life. And the greatest sign of love I could show them was to end them of my misery. Which, I mean, that is, a, that is a corner to be in on its own. That is a corner right there, isn't it? That is ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? In terms of what you are now and what you've achieved and what you've seen, seen out. Do you know what I mean? And as it is, I've always said to people, you don't get a lot of time on this planet. No. Do you know what I mean? So the time you have got here, you should try and fill it with as much positive as you can. 
I'm Brandon Webb, former Navy SEAL and founder of The Crate Club. Tired of the same old gift ideas? Want military-grade survival gear delivered to your doorstep? Then get Crate Club, the box built by Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, and Special Ops guys. With backpacks, holsters, and more military-grade gear, it's the perfect gift for the guy in your life. Subscribe to Crate Club and we'll also include The Killing School, my best-selling ebook about America's elite snipers. That's CrateClub.com, C-R-A-T-E Club.com. Was there a turning point for you? Was there a switch with which you can go, yeah, boom, when that switch was hit, that's well, when I flipped over. That's when I came out of this. One of the hardest things I ever had to do was come home after a very serious suicide attempt where I nearly died and explain to my teenage children, <clears throat> excuse me, why I didn't want to be their dad anymore. That, I mean, that, you're making me well up here watching that. that. That's just, that's a horrible thing to do, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I believe the voices in my head. I yeah. believe the negatives. I believe that I was no good. I wasn't man and enough. And do you think facing your children like that and realising that was one of these, that was a plunger moment, that was a boom, that's, that's set that off, that's going to push me back a bit, do you know what I mean? That's going to get me out of this a it little did, bit. It did help. But the reality was, it wasn't my time. And I'm not a religious man, but for the grace of God, I survived. Yeah. And the hospital said to me, I, I took nearly 80,000 milligrams of tablets. <laughs> and if I'd had one drink, because I don't drink because of my poor mental health. Yeah. I would have been dead. So it wasn't my time, and this was a twist of fate. You know, like most veterans, some of us have come from troubled childhoods, some of us have come from difficult places. I've seen your uh, excellent tour and the life speaks you give, Phil, and you don't make bones to the fact that, you know, pre-army, you was a bit of a boy. That, right, yeah, no, the children's you know? home stuff, do you know what I mean? I, you know, I, I didn't come from the best of the best of a stock, as it would be called, do you know what I mean? But I think the important thing that I've always tried to get is a, is a positive from a negative and deal with the cards I've got. Do you know what I mean? Because I can't change those cards. I've got to deal with them. Well, it's only now, all these years later, I came out in 2010 in a terrible way. It's now 2020. Only now do I know that my whole life experience has been for a reason. I've been in prison pre-army. I've done some things I'm not very proud of. And the reality is what it has actually tailored me into is a very liberally minded, open-minded man that's willing to give the worst forgotten veterans a chance when others wouldn't. Absolutely, and I think that is so important to, to people that do think that they're forgotten as well, you know. A prime example of some of our work, and I have to be careful because of GDPR. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, of course. But we had a young lady recently who hasn't seen, hadn't seen her children for six years due to her mental health. And instead of her being supported, it made her worse because she wasn't being supported. She came here three months ago and has spent time at camps, has spent time with the buddy scheme, the therapist. She calls me whenever she needs to. And we have now just got her access, supervised um, visit for one weekend a month. The change in her has been absolutely phenomenal. And the social worker and the barrister pulled me over and said, what have you done? Why is this a different girl? And I said, because I showed her care, understanding, gave her time, 
and wanted to help her. Okay, so go, going back a little bit, because we sort of like lost hope, we, we, we've gone down a different path slightly. Going back to what, what I said, funding. Yes. How are you funding? What, what, what is funding this? What's keeping this alive? I mean, your passion yeah. is obviously keeping it alive for one. Yeah. And the staff you've got here are, are, are superb. You know, mm-hmm. I've two or three of my personal friends from a long time ago, so I know them. How can people help with this? Can people help? Well, because how do we fund? There's nearly 40 people that are involved in the charity. Some are on my internet team and based all over the country. There's about 20 here that are based and supporting here, part yeah. of the management, the care support team. But no one gets paid. No one's ever been paid. I've never been paid. And that's kept the costs down to a minimum. Okay. So last year we gave about 90% of everything we raised away because I believe the money belongs to the veterans. And I've taken this attitude from the start. And actually, the British public and the veteran community has got behind me and said it's about time there is a charity of this ethos. And they want to give us their pounds because they know it's going to do the greatest amount of work. Yeah. So you take the 90% of each pound will be going... We'll be going straight to the veterans' causes and, and to the veteran himself. Which, you know, we do see with these other larger charities, people always bang on about the percentage of what actually, of your pound that you donate going to the, to the troops. And it always seems to be quite low for me, to be honest. Last year, our administration rate was 2.5%. So 97.5p of your money, out of your pound or your dollar, uh, will go directly to Ron, a veteran. To raise these dollars, though, what are you doing? I know you did the sleep out in Portsmouth and all that sort of stuff. Yes. What we, are your other avenues for, for raising? Um, we run a um, standing order scheme and people donate on, the basis, on a monthly basis. Okay. Um, we sell a lot of merchandise. We've got people doing um, events and functions and fundraisers all over the country. Uh, we just had the most in- two this last weekend, the most incredible fundraisers. Two young veterans um, tabbed for nearly 18 hours through the night, tabbed the circumference of a whole island. Wow. And, okay. you know, they raised 500 quid. Is it fortunes? But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it, no, no, you're right. It doesn't matter. It's about the community getting up and supporting and helping ourselves. We've had another old um, soldier, a long-serving soldier, most delightful old man, and he came to us and he said, I'd like to do a fundraiser, Gary. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? And he he lives probably 300 miles away. And he's actually used his public bus pass, his old age bus pass. Oh, this is Mort. This is this guy, Mort. This is Mel Mort. Right, this is where I stay in this story, because this is, I'm going to try and get behind this and push this on my social media. So if you're looking in on my social media, I might even get to interview this guy at some stage, because it's remarkable what he's up to. Yeah, he needed help to devise the route, um, because, you know, he's getting on a little bit. But he actually went bus to bus to bus to bus to bus. <laughs> uh, what would have took him four hours in a car, it took him 48 hours to get there. <laughs> and it, he actually went through Storm Dennis. He uh, he took his dog Whisper. Whisper had a small day set So you know at the back. top of the show when I was telling you you need to be packing your car properly, this, this geezer's got a lunchbox and a, and a bus pass and probably a Mac. <laughs> Honestly, the dog came into camp through the arch and it had a rucksack on its back. It didn't have anything in it, bar a couple of small things, but and that is what it's about. 
a community helping ourselves, veterans helping veterans, our own ranks with our own experiences, and I love to use lived experience. That man there, when we first started with him nearly a year ago, was an absolute shell of a man that never left his house barely. And now look at the change in him, because all he wanted, like most of the veterans, was to feel like he belonged. I think that, that, that is a key thing, having some purpose, some belonging, especially when you mix this stuff with mental health. And I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a point as well, alcohol. Alcohol does not help any of this situation, does it, whatsoever? Alcohol is an absolute demon in most of this stuff, isn't it? Yes. Sadly, when uh, we get called out in the middle of the night because there's a suicidal veteran or self-harm, um, usually alcohol or drugs is, is a big accelerator for them harming themselves. And I know why they do it, because I understand, because I did it. Because you've been there. No, the same as I have, you know. I can't cope with my own head, so I'm going to get as best as I can, because it makes it go away. But tomorrow, it comes back twice as hard. Only you've got less money in your pocket. Exactly. So what do (laughs) you Which is another problem. Do you deal with the problem twice as hard, or do you carry on drinking? And that's what the problem that seems to be going on. Drink was promoted in the army to de-stress, to bond. We all understand, you know. I don't think it's probably as bad now, but it's certainly in my day and your day, there was a beginning of course piss-up, an end of course piss-up, a piss-up because it's Tuesday, a piss-up because somebody had a piss-up. Most of my career was a piss-up. <laughs> like I used to go on a, a piss-up and then get, get a um, certificate through the post and I'm now I'm qualified for something that I didn't even realise I was doing, <laughs> you know. No, you're right. No, it was, it was, and that's not so bad now. But we, you know, we got to deal with, with 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 what's coming through the door here. It's all very well when you're in a good headspace. You're confident. You're you, you're controlled. You're working your career. You feel happy. You're going up the ranks. That's fine. But when they come out and the isolation, the loneliness, the lost, the mental health, the the the, the drink starts biting. Mm. That is when it becomes dangerous. I mean, it first hit me. I got out. I'm all right. I bought myself out. You know, I had my, my own problems and what have you. I bought myself out. And I remember the first month I was out, I completely ran out of money and had none coming in. And I had to go and take one of these crisis loans out from the thing. I had no job to go for. You know, the only job that was there was Lollipop Man. You know, the stories on yeah. Sky, you can see it. And I just felt at that point, what do I do? Do you know what I mean? I've been in the Sabre Squadron. I was SF. I was flying, doing this, doing that, doing the other. Do you know what I mean? It was a great job. All of a sudden, it ended for me. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it just, you know, I can see. It's almost like they come out and try to mix within the civilian world and they're either underrated and their qualifications aren't taken into account or or, or, or the managers and the higher people in these businesses fear them. So there's, there's almost, you know, uh, that's the problem. It clashes. And I'm not saying completely. You know, there's lots of veterans that have gone into, uh, into society and became a civilian again and have done very well for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, no one's saying that you join the forces, you're definitely leaving an alcoholic, a cripple with PTSD, you know, and not all do, but... There's, there's been something wrong for many, many years and only in the last couple of years since I've been getting up and others and 
wearing their hearts on their sleeves and being honest about their experiences. Do you think that society as a whole nowadays, because everybody comes out about everything nowadays, don't you? This inclusivity thing, which I'm all for, by the way, all right? Do you think it's made it easier for people to go, whoa, there's a problem now? Do you think society's made it slightly easier probably for us to stand up and go, I'm absolutely in turbo bobbins here, mm. I need to speak to somebody? Well, let's look at it. It was very taboo in my day, very taboo when I was in exactly, this Exactly, and that was my next point. When I was coming out, PTSD was a dirty word. Mental health was a dirty word. Yeah. They almost segregate you from everyone else in case your mental health starts going. Well, I was petrified I was never going to get a job if I said I had problems upstairs. Well, I know um, a very long-serving colonel, and he said it to me as it is, and, and it's important that you know this. He said when he went through Sandhurst, he was taught that mental health is a choice. So if we've had generations of officers now taking over these units, these squadrons, these troops, if that is what they've been taught, then no wonder there has been no understanding of what's been going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was late, probably 90s, and they put a WRVS woman into the NAFI in Northern Ireland, but if you got seen in her office, it was like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? It was, it was proper frowned upon, You're wasn't weak. it? You're no yeah, good. what are you doing? You're not a man. Yeah, man no, up. it was terrible. And we, you know, I, I remember myself coming back from Sierra Leone in, when I was in the squadron, and people almost going, right, does anybody want to go and see the doctor? Has anybody got a problem with what they saw? Mm. You ain't got a chance, have you? Well, Do you know what I mean? We all know there's loads of slogans and phrases that we use during service. Uh, you know, pays to be a winner, the last one there goes again. One thing that I will never say again to a man, and I think it's done more damage than the many things, is the phrase man up. Mm. No, I think you're right. I think that sums it up. You know, because man up. Man up shuts him down from talking. And that's the difference. Now the soldiers are getting supported better. They are given the opportunity to talk in public and in private. And they're not being isolated and treated like a leper in case it catches everyone else. What would be, we're coming to the end of this now, but what would be your message to, to anyone who's suffering now? What would be your message? Because not everybody's going to be able to get down here realistically, do you know what I mean? So some people are going to have to, you know, maybe hear this and think, what can I do right now? Might be in America, for instance. I don't know if they have anything like forgotten veterans in America. Thank you for asking me this, because this means a lot to me. As I've stated... I've been through the mill. I've been in a very dark place and I'm lucky to be alive. I've self-medicated, I've drunk, I've abused myself, I've abused my family, I've had counselling, I've had good counselling, bad counselling, and the one thing that has saved me, truly saved me, is selfless commitment to others. Because you cannot be helping someone else with no gain to yourself to teach you self-respect and self-worth again. And this is all I'm trying to instill into others. Start finding yourself again, because you are in there. Yeah, because you're insular once you've got that deep, once you've got to that stage that you're in the pit of it, you are insular, because you're the only one there, aren't you, in your own mind? Yeah. I send them home <coughs> regularly, Phil. I say, have you got a neighbour that's old by themselves? Yeah, I have, actually. Go and pop in for a cup of tea. Go and get them some shopping. Then when you come back to camp next, you tell me how that made you feel. And they come back and they say, Gaz, it made me feel great about myself. Yeah, no, I think you're right. You know, you've got to be helping other people, haven't you? You've got to be involved with other people. 
You can't keep these things to yourself. It's all right flying Maverick now and again with various things, but this is not a matter that can be sorted out on your own, without a doubt. Here we work as one, we laugh as one. Rapport is so important. 80% of my work is building a rapport, using banter, using lived experience, because once you have that 80%, the other 20% comes much, much easier. If they don't trust you, they don't bond with you, they don't respect you, they're not going to listen to you. Where can people get hold of you if they want if they, if they, if they want help? And how can they help you, you know, if they want to donate or something like that? Well, you can look us up on Facebook. We've got a, la- a large presence on Facebook. There's a group called Forgotten Veterans UK. There's also our page, Forgotten Veterans UK. We have a Twitter presence. We have a website. There's an emergency number. If they go on to any of our platforms and say, I need help, one of my team will pick them up immediately. And people that want to help, it's quite simple. Donate that pound a month. Arrange a coffee meeting for fundraising. Get in touch. Get into your community. Get into your community and go and find people. And, and then bring them to us. And, and, and we will help them. We won't abandon them. But as long as they're prepared to help themselves, we are there for them 100%. Gary, look, I've been hovering around. I was here on the day that you, you first found, you first sort of like opened this place. I've been on the periphery of your organisation. You know, we supported you at the Rumble this year. I shall continue to support you. Um, it's the first time we've actually sat down and had a proper chat. I've got nothing but respect. Thank and you. I've been humbled by the stuff you've said this afternoon. Okay, I hope people out there are going to get the message on this. All right, and like I say, I think the one key thing for me out of all of this is if you're suffering, say something. Please say something, please just open up and say something to somebody. And then, you know, people like Gary can come and help you out. Gary, look, thanks for your time, mate. I'm going to wrap up and just close the show as I normally do. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for your time, buddy. Seriously, no, I mean that. Selfless commitment to others. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. You heard it there. Selfless commitment to others. And that is the way. I think that was a very heartfelt and honest interview given to me by Gary there. I hope you enjoy it. Um, Check out the other stuff that SoftRep are doing. Have a look on SoftRep.com. Have a look at CrateClub.com. And please come back next time I'm on. Until next time, who dares wins? And I will see you all later on. You've been listening to SoftRep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at SoftRep Radio.